I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. On a close, muggy evening outside the Royal Albert Hall on Monday, an understandably enthusiastic crowd pitched up in various forms of smart summer wear to hear the first part of Daniel Barenboim's ring cycle at the BBC proms. Right place, right time. There is no better way to celebrate impending thunder than a cranky dose of Wagner. But I was with a small, more bedraggled and, dare I say, more select group that filtered to the right of the hall as we crossed the road. Not for us the bombast and agony of Das Rheingold. We were celebrating the altogether different artistic sensibility of Ian Jewry, subject of a first-ever solo exhibition, 13 years after his death, at the adjacent Royal College of Art. Jury was a one-man Gesamtkunstwerk, rightly fated for his brilliantly inventive pop lyrics, but who trained initially as a fine artist, gaining a place at the RCA, the only thing I aspired to in my life, he said, after studying at Walthamstow Art College. He had just three O-levels under his belt when he went there, English language and literature and art. No need for any others. Playing with words and images became his life. The artwork on show at the RCA is not startlingly original nor supremely polished. A meeting in 1961 with Sir Peter Blake pushed Jury in the direction of pop art, and he remained fascinated with the minor celebrities and B-list sex symbols that formed the undercurrent of British cultural life. At the time, it was a radical idea. Why shouldn't the cheap and the ephemeral be celebrated with paintings in a gallery? Today, engulfed by witless celebrations of the cheap and the ephemeral, we have no need for pop art at all. Blake and Jury were ahead of the game, but probably didn't realise what a squalid preoccupation their work prefigured. If you don't know so much about Jury, the eloquent description of him in the exhibition's preamble serves pretty well. He was somewhere between a musical vagabond, a bohemian docker, and a Dickensian fairground teddy boy, it says. That captures the streaks of anti-authority, spontaneity and good humour that infused his work. But to be truthful, it's not his visual art that best serves him. When he left college, he struggled to make it as an artist. He managed to gain a foothold in the commercial world, illustrating features for the Sunday Times magazine and designing album covers, including one, extraordinarily, for the estimable Vera Lynn. But there were limited opportunities for the satirical turns and bawdy nudges that forever sprang to his mind to find expression. To find his true status as an artist, he turned to music. Jury's career as a bona fide pop star, bookended by 1977's Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll and 1981's Spasticus Autisticus, was short and sweeter than you would imagine. Right place, right time. Britain was undergoing a radical and menacing cultural reorientation and was not a pretty sight. What was wanted was a lippy troubadour with a good sense of humour, and Jury brought charm and lightness of touch to an angry generation's impatience. Remember that delicate introduction to Sweet Jean Vincent? Here's a reminder. Excuse me. Sailor the child. 
glances were slender, the beauties were brief. Shall I mourn your decline with some thunderbird wine and a black handkerchief? I miss your sad Virginia whisper. I miss the voice that called my heart. Sex and drugs, if you listen carefully, was no call to degeneracy, but an exhortation to be an original thinker. Spasticus Autisticus was a withering take on sanctimonious tokenism from Jury, whose mobility was permanently impaired by a childhood bout of polio. The BBC banned both songs in some shape or form. Last year, Spasticus was one of the remarkable highlights of the Paralympic opening ceremony. It's the fate of original thinkers to have to wait for the rest of the world to catch up with them. Jury always said that he knew he was good enough at art to know he wasn't going to be good enough. He saved his attention to detail for his music, which was fresh and scrupulously crafted. He had little in common with the punk movement which co-opted him for his faux-aggressive demeanour. One of his favourite albums of the era was the super-slick Asia by Steely Dan. No group was more reviled by his bedfellows. Which was Jury's greater love, art or music? Difficult to tell. But he's not the only figure of the pop age to try his hand at both. Two of the era's greatest lyricists, Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell, are also painters. Mitchell regards it as her true vocation. Dylan just dabbles. John Lennon's fluent, mischievous drawings have always struck me as truer to his spirit than some of his more portentous lyrics. Jury disliked any attempt to make too haughty with his achievements. Indeed, he was embarrassed by some of the more extravagant claims made on his behalf. I've been accused of philosophy, I've been accused of poetry, he told Sue Lawley while choosing his Desert Island Discs. I'm not guilty of either. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 